Night gathers, and now my rewatch begins. Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm for people who party like Tyrion and slay like Daenerys, brought to you by Grand X Media. I'm Ross Bolin, here at the Grand X Media Studios in Austin, Texas, with Barrett Dudley. What's up, fam? Clam fam? And Veronica Ruck. Hello. Hello. First episode of 2018. That's right. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, it feels like we've been gone for a month. It does. It really yeah. does. And we have been gone for a couple weeks. Well, for them, it's only been two weeks. One week. Well, off. last week we put out the episode, or the week before last, talking about request requesting recruiting. It was a recruiting mm. call out. Mm-hmm. Sure. Special that, thank that, you. That came out a mere one week ago. I, I thought. Maybe you're right. Yeah. And thank you done. to everybody, by the way, who went out and did tell their families and friends about the show, and that left reviews because a lot of people did. Like we've been. Hanging tight on the charts. Yeah. As a result. That's good. Huge results there. Big time. People are saying that 2018 is our year. The year of the. Is that what people have been saying? Yeah. The year of the clam. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, it's the year of the clam. People have been saying that. (laughs) It's not actually the year of the clam. It's it's all set up, though. Like, it is. I mean. Stars are aligned, baby. Right. We hit 50K on Instagram. It's a hot year. It's a hot. It's a hot podcast. Hot. 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 We've got a new podcast channel, Grand X Labs. You should subscribe to that. Uh, the first four episodes of the Ross Boland podcast, <laughs> my new show, are available now on Grand X Labs. And uh, soon on Grand X Labs, the long-awaited Zach Efron-focused effing around, hosted I, by Barrett Dudley. Look, I don't want to steal the thunder of OCC here, but I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to blow some minds. Is that so? Yeah. We... Effing around is officially on the calendar. Oh my oh god! Yeah? Yes, we are recording next Tuesday. Oh my we god! We as in you? Me? Yes. Well, I mean, producer Michael will be in the room oh, true. too. True. This is fantastic news. This is huge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty. Like I said, 2018. It's a hot, it's a it's a hot year for hot podcasts, and we're starting it flaming hot. Yeah, I mean, just right off the right off the bat, we're 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 coming we're coming with hot fire. So subscribe to Grand X Labs to get that right when it drops. All you effies and effers out all there. All the effies and the effers out there. And let me just thank you for all of your contributions. I am I'm just I'm I am up to my neck in Zach Efron news. They're just <laughs> keeping me posted, man. They are Is this a life you wanted for yeah. yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, New Year's resolution is uh to get Zach Efron on the podcast. Oh. So we'll see. Good luck with that. Zach, if you're, I know you're listening because you're a big uh, member, you're a big time member of the Clam Fam. So uh, you know, hit me up. Effing around, yeah. This is the night's rewatch. We're doing a podcast for every episode of Game of Thrones, starting with season one, episode one, leading up to the final season of our favorite show, so we can all be as prepared as possible. Thank you for taking the black and joining us. You can follow us on Instagram at Oysters Clams Cockles, which, like I said, we hit fifty thousand followers over the weekend. It's a fantastic account. I highly recommend it. On Twitter, at Clams and Cockles. And you can like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Uh, I'm Ross Bolin. Again, you can follow me everywhere on Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter, at WR Bolin. Barrett, where can you be followed by the good listeners? You can follow me, at Barrett Dudley. Hit me on the Twitter. Hit me on the gram. 
I'm gonna. I'll, I'll probably be posting some stuff, like kind of deciding which segments I should do for effing around. So that's if you if you want to be if you want to partake in the decision making process, get involved. Then uh, then you know go follow. What about you, Veronica? Uh, you can follow me at Veronica Ruck R U C K H on Twitter and Instagram. VM Ruck on Snapchat. There you have it. Our hotline number is eight six six four three clams. Call it with a question, a take, uh, a theory. Or a clam fam correction, which is what we call when we make a mistake and you, the good listeners, get to uh, call us out and correct us. We've got one clam fam correction call this week. Micah, run it. Hey, what's up, clam fam? This is Cassie from St. Louis, and I just, this is just a little thing. Uh, you guys keep saying Marcella. It's not Marcella. It's Marcella. M-Y-R. Marcella. Okay, bye. Woo! The greatest, what? the greatest ending to a call we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Just the ending. Just the ending. <laughs> it's like she had the correction, but she was like, "I'm gonna use this opportunity to show off my pipes." Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you can tell she's got a voice. That's yeah. She's got it. That was she hit a lot of different notes. A lot, a lot of notes in there. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a little. That's a, they call that a vibrato. Maybe is that a what they call it? Vibrato. I don't know. I, okay, I think I feel like I always say, I feel like I hit that name with an with a U. I always Mercella? think I say Mercella. Is it? It's but it's Mercella. I think she was saying it's like Mercella. Mercella. No, I think Mercella. Mercella. Oh, Mercella. She's just, it's spelled but with, with a y. y. Yeah, she's Mercella. just saying it's not Marcella. Like I've said several things. Marcella, Marcella. Yeah, Marcella's wrong. <laughs> Marcella's just she's not like some right. Italian well, okay. girl. Yeah, that's not it at all. <laughs> and then uh, maybe last time in the last episode, we might have been calling Marin Trant Janice Slint. Oh yeah, we we also got some calls about that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, fuck you guys, we, man. We we know who's who. <laughs> it just we uh, we screw up sometimes. Sometimes we write it down wrong, and then we're not paying attention cl- closely we, enough. We just read the paper, yeah. you know. Yeah, but Jana Slint, Marin Trant. Look, we've had a lot of discussion about how we confuse the two. Me specifically, uh, I, it's very hard, and we we might have said the wrong one at but some it was, point. We it apologize. It was Marin Trant who was being a dick. Yes, in the last episode. Yeah, they're both dicks. Yes. though. that's what makes it so confusing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. both dicks. Check out grandexshop.com/occ to get oysters, clams, and cockles themed T-shirts. Support the podcast. Also, some good Game of Thrones shirts in general. Uh, and just as a reminder, we'll be doing the roast of Joffrey Baratheon. Oh yeah, when I forgot we, we were doing. Yeah, that. when we do the season finale for season two, we're going to do a little segment called the roast of Joffrey Baratheon, just for shits and gigs. Okay. We've also got some Game of Thrones news, which you know already if you followed us on social media. But first thing, Kit Harrington was kicked out of a New York City bar uh, for being too intoxicated on Saturday evening. There's video and photos on TMZ, but also, again, follow us on all the social platforms we mentioned earlier, and you could see some of it. It was pretty funny, but it's it's just weird seeing a guy that, you know, you you think of Kit Harrington, you think of Jon Snow. Yeah. And he has the hair and the facial hair and looks exactly like Jon Snow It's amazing all of the that time. the actor who plays Jon Snow is well, he's Jon not, Snow. He's, he's, but he's not groomed differently. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. It's just him wearing normal people clothes, yeah. essentially. Yes, yeah. And he, his voice isn't doesn't change. He speaks the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. Like in any interview or any, you know, you see him on an award show, he sounds like Jon Snow because mm-hmm. he's not acting differently with his voice yeah. to play this character. So it's humorous to see what is essentially a shit-faced Jon Snow being asked to leave a bar and like drunkenly stumbling Apparently around. Apparently he like really wanted to play pool, and but he 
I don't know. He like was slamming some bar bar some uh, pool cues on the table, like demanding that he get to play pool. He was doing drunk guy stuff. Yeah, you know it happens. Yeah. Good for him. He didn't get arrested or anything. He just be, he's just drunk. Here's what. Okay, here's what is most impressive to me though, is that I I think he just left the bar and like went and got straight on a private jet because he was in L. A. for a benefit for a ha- a Haiti benefit, the very next day, and then at the Golden Globes last night. It's Sean Penn's. Haiti benefit that he does every year and at this one specifically there was a they were auctioning off the chance to watch Game of Thrones with to watch an episode with Emilia Clark. Clark yeah and so Brad Pitt had an $80,000 bid to watch Game of Thrones for Emilia Clark then yeah. he ups it to 90,000 then Kit Harrington like comes back from the bathroom or maybe he just walked into the room from having yeah, gotten off that got, private jet yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and <laughs> He was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll I'll join in on this, and I'll be. You can watch it with me too." And Brad Pitt jumped his bid up to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, yes, which is outlandish. He still lost. He lost. Someone else won one hundred and sixty grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I gotta say, if you've got Brad Pitt money, come on, Brad. If you're already at one hundred and twenty, what's another forty thousand dollars here? You got to win that bid. When I read that he ended up losing, and they I didn't was say bit, who won, because it, it was probably just some generic ass rich dude, some rich guy, yeah. But no yeah, one cares how, about. How disappointing is that? What a bummer. Because I wanted Brad Pitt to hang out with Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark and watch an episode of Game of Thrones and like see some Snapchats of that. It, yeah, I would have liked some Snapchats. If that. I'm Brad Pitt, my budget for this would have been roughly 500k. <laughs> like you're going to have a really hard time beating me. I'm taking this pot down. You know what I mean? Right. I, it's just right. disappointing that he didn't. I, I totally agree. And then Barrett, to your point, Kit immediately is at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Where him and Amelia Clark presented an award they, together. They presented, yeah. Which seeing them together, even though she has short hair and does not look exactly like Daenerys Targaryen, mm-hmm. is still really cool anytime I just you love get that chance. Yeah. Still fun. Still fun. Yeah. And I like that she's just now she she has that kind the of platinum blonde, blonde hair. hair. Yeah. Yes. I like it too. That's fun. Although she I do think she's really pretty with her brown hair too. I agree. I, oh, I yeah. definitely agree. Really different. She's a very pretty lady. Very pretty. Shouts to the Golden Globes, though, uh, to Big Little Lies, which they got a lot of acknowledgement. It was on, very cool. And they picked up a ton of awards. I feel like Reese Witherspoon has grown by leaps and bounds as like an influential woman. Yeah, not yeah, not yeah. like in Hollywood, but as a a pop culture fixture. Yeah, I mean yeah, she's at the top. She's at the top of her game right now. Yyeah, I mean she's got her own clothing thing going now. Mm-hmm, What's mm-hmm. it called? Like Parker Draper James? Draper James. Draper James. Draper James. Uh, and she's all, I mean, that whole squad mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, dominated. You want to talk, talk about who's having a year is Laura Dern. Dude, yes. Yeah. She is crushing it. Yeah, she's everywhere. You know she's dating Baron Davis? I did. I did. I did uh, not. Which is very weird. Yeah. It's just a random coupling. It's just a random coupling. Yeah. Baron Davis is not the dude I would have <laughs> guessed would be picking up Laura Dern, but good for both of them, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Whatever makes you happy. Um, but all in all, yeah, I thought the Golden Globes were really good. Now, obviously... No Game of Thrones wins. Right. But we kind of knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Like, they were only nominated for the best drama, I think. Uh, you discussed that they're kind of always snubbed at the Golden Globes. That's not their mm-hmm. show. Right. They're, right. They're, the, whatever that is, the... Hollywood Foreign Press. They're not the yeah. biggest fans. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the Game of Thrones actors and producers, even, and Benioff or Weiss, one of them was there. I can't... Okay. I can never put the one their faces yeah. to their yeah, names yeah, yeah. i know like who they are yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just the same person to me um so it's cool seeing them as always but all right let's get into it uh this episode was called a man without honor written by benioff and weiss and directed by david nutter 
who, as a note, which I think I forgot to leave out, he did the last episode we discussed as well, and he's done many episodes throughout all the seasons. He's going to be, he's one of the directors doing three in season eight. Wow. David oh, wow. Nutter. Three so of them. he's one of the guys who's been chosen. It's basically him, Sapochnik or whatever the guy, yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. did I pronounce uh-huh. that correctly? And then Benioff and Weiss, they're the dudes running the show. And those are the best okay. ones. Henceforth. Right? Uh, yeah, S- most Spachnik, people would argue that. we've always said, and then this episode and the last one were if you awesome. go If you go look at David Nutter's He's, resume of Thrones episodes, yeah, it's extremely good. impressive. Yeah. Is, he, is he one that like continues to come in for the seasons? I think uh-huh. so. Okay. So yeah, he, 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 he's, he's involved. He's never in, just like completely absent from from us. There are gaps, right. but he's, yeah, he okay. gets brought back a lot. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is impressive. Good to know, good to know. Yeah. Uh, it starts off in Winterfell with Theon waking up, realizing that Asha uh, Asha is gone. They slept together in the prior episode that we watched. She should seduced him, and uh, Theon finds out quickly that she has fled with Hodor, Bran, and Rickon, which is a problem for Theon, the worst temporary occupier of <laughs> yeah, all time. He's not great. Mm-mm. God, just terrible at his job. He belittles his men. Uh, so this the fat guy that we've seen have conflict with Theon before in prior episodes points out like, hey man, you're kind of partially to blame here. You were fucking mm-hmm. the wildling woman right. who clearly did that to get into a position. You set her free. She was right. no longer chained right. to get into a position so she could escape and pull this off. And Theon's response to that is just pounding on the guy. So he's trans- he's transformed into a true Iron Island moron at this point. Yeah, that because that's what you do. You just pound on people. And yeah, when you're from the Iron Islands, is you just you do what you want and you pound on people who say otherwise. Somebody points out that you're a moron and this is kind of your fault. You pound on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't do this in 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 2018 society. Absolutely. You can't get away with no. just. If Veronica points out that I say something wrong on the podcast, I can't just pound on her. <laughs> I go to prison. <laughs> It's yeah. not. A, it's not a thing. I know you. You'd like that to, to fight me. I would. Yeah, I would destroy <laughs> you clearly <laughs> in a fight. Okay, but sitting here, uh, just a thought I had watching these scenes unfold with Theon this week is like how Maester Lewin is kind. Uh, obviously, he's stuck there. You know, he's the guy who's assigned mm-hmm, to Winterfell, mm-hmm. and he has to serve the Lord of Winterfell, who now is sort of Theon, I guess. Yep. And he's just like. Desperately attempting to get this idiot kid to realize what he's doing, right? To no avail. Like he makes zero progress during any of the conversations. But that's every scene Maester Lewin is involved in, mm-hmm. f- from basically when Winterfell was taken until he dies. Is him trying to convince Theon, like, dude, Theon, please don't do this. And it just gets really sad because yeah. I love Maester Lewin. And the guy's a good actor too yeah. that plays yeah. him. Um. So Brandon, Rickon, and Asha, and Hodor were shown like making their journey away from Winterfell and they're passing a farmhouse and the boys make a reference to Jack and Billy, these two kids who live at that farmhouse who are apparently their friends and they're they're hungry, the kids are, because they've been traveling, you know, through the night to get away from Winterfell and escape Theon. And they say something like, oh, Jack and Billy, they'll, Jack and Billy will hook us up with some food. We got to go in. The, and, and Asha's like, no, no, we can't go in there. They'll track us to there and then they'll kill the kids, basically. And you see like Jack and Billy running through this farmhouse very, very briefly, uh, which it never struck me before. Jack and Billy are the kids that get yeah. got yeah. by Theon and posed as yes. Brandon Rickon. Yeah. I never, that never sunk in for me for some reason. So that was yeah. really sad to like oh, yeah. see them. They're the orphan boys. That farmer 
is one of the ones that's talking to Bran in the oh yeah Winterfell, and is like, "Hey, my sons are gone. I need some help out there on the farm." Oh, dude. And they're like, "Yeah, you can have these. You can have some orphans. They'll help you." Uh, that's Sad. a bummer. Yeah, and so he's they send Jack and Billy out there. All Jack and Billy. J and B. And they're just, uh, they're just trying to help with the farming. Yeah. <laughs> And really, then J and B get all tangled up in Theon's terrible web. Yeah, you got to feel for J and B. It's a classic case of wrong place, wrong time. God, yeah. it's like it's such a. I feel like, and this happens twice in this episode where it's like, well, your life is just less important than these rich people because mm. it happens again with Jamie. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, right. Where it's right. like, oh, I'm noble born, so my life just matters more. Sorry. I mean, and that's even how we feel when these kids die. It's sad, but we're like, well, at least it well, wasn't. we don't know who they are. I mean, we yeah. don't know them. Yeah, yeah. 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 ten seconds of screen time. Yeah. Like, what are we? I mean, we know to that they're like, we know that they're J and B, and that they're the the, the Winterfell orphans. I mean, sure, we know them, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody but y'all else. don't know. Yeah, them y'all like don't that. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just down with J and B. North of the Wall, in one of my favorite scenes in this entire season, Jon Snow wakes up spooning Ygritte. And has like his hand on one of her boobs, like yeah. unintentionally, you know. And it's just sure. You just it's in that the happens. it's in the boob area. He's that, not like getting a whatever. Full she has on like six layers of you clothes. Yeah. She's yeah. not. Full, he's not really copying. Yeah, you a can't peel. get a great boob grab yeah. with her outfit. But yeah. this happens when you spoon, right? Uh, as one does. And Ygritte <laughs> has one of her dozen great lines. Like, did you pull a knife on me in the night? <laughs> it's a morning wood joke. Yes. Yeah. You gotta love that. She's like a bitch with all this. She's like so making funny. fun of him for wanting her. What's That's the matter? Savage. Can't be the first time you've pressed your bone up against a woman's ass. <laughs> stones, she calls the, the yeah, ball stones. His swollen stones. And Ew. the D, she calls a bone. A bone. A bone. And, and he's stones. like, stop. Bones and She's stones. like, which one? Stones or bones? He's like, either. Both. <laughs> Please stop calling them that. Uh, she figures out he's a virgin pretty quickly just yeah. based on his awkward responses and stuff, and then she just continues to rub that in his face, mm-hmm. basically. She mm-hmm. asks, like, if the Night's Watch guys bang each other, or uh, if they have sheep. Then if they have goats. Oh, gross. <laughs> which is so campy. Like, the wildlings. Doesn't, he, they'll doesn't do anything. she ask about goats before? Oh, then your hand. Yes. Like, yeah. oh, well, if you don't have goats to fuck, like, then oh, you probably just like, oh, do it yourself. You use your hands. Like, oh, God. <laughs> she's like, that's why that you're so worse? miserable. Yeah. How is that worse than goats? It seems like goats <laughs> would be after hands. That's what like, I would think, yeah. If your hands have been cut off, then you think about the then goats. Then you use the goat, right? Well, but she's used to those wildling men. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even uh, even Tormund has... He, he says good ru- things. Rumors that he had sex with a bear. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know. You never know. They'll they'll do the wildlife. They yeah. They're wildlings. <laughs> yeah. wildlife. They're about that wildlife. They yeah. are. They are. Uh, this the chemistry between these two, as we've said before, John and Ygritte is so good. And it's almost as if it's real. You can see very easily how they got on in real life, and and Rose Leslie is in these scenes is incredible. She's in, yes. She didn't. I don't feel like yeah. we gave enough credit as a viewership. Game of Thrones fans De- to her for her actors. Definitely not. She, these scenes are fantastic. Yeah, she's very, very, very good. I just, l- real quick aside, because I, they clearly did have such great on cre- on screen chemistry, which ended up translating to real life, and they're now together. they're getting married. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to notice that? Okay, Ewan McGregor somehow won for Fargo I, last dude, night. Every time Fargo, uh, and for those who didn't keep in touch with us during the off season, we did season three of Fargo. 
We podcasted about every episode. Fargo was the worst and Big time Little of Lies. my life. Fargo season three was, as far as we are concerned, not good. Right. And yeah, Ewan McGregor won. He won for best actor. And all the critical stuff that I had heard about the show talked about how that role was like miscast and like Ewan McGregor like did what mm. he could with it, but it, it was, was kind trash. of weird and wasn't that the good. The two characters sucked. Yeah. It was all shit. So it was really, really surprising to see him get that win. But and then in the win, he thanked his estranged wife, who he's not yet divorced from, and also thanked his girlfriend, who is wow. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who he cheated on and left his wife for. That's who played, you know. Uh, oh, that's weird. What's her? You know, she she played the other the his girlfriend in the show. Oh God. Yeah, I didn't know that. So their chemistry also translated to go. off of the screen, and he left his wife for her. Well, this happens and often. And then both of them. In his you can't mean, do that. Okay, think oh, about it. Oh, God. It makes perfect sense, though, because it's like, all right, let's say you're Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie in these scenes, and you're having to act as if you have chemistry. Yeah. Then you find it, it, it is easy, and you find out you actually do have chemistry. Like, yeah. that's going to have an effect on your life. It's the same shit with, like, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Of course. Jolie it is never shocking to me no. when actors that do movies or tv together end up dating each other because you're spending and you're spending all day with this person yeah on set and you're smooching already you're you're right it's just like it's set up for you to actually yeah. like like each other yeah and yeah. with rose leslie and kit harrington it's a great example because it's not even necessarily that they're doing all these love scenes and like nudity and making mm-hmm. out and sure they have a scene later on where they actually do but it's like flirting. It's mostly just conversational and like kicking these sparks up for mm-hmm. their romance or whatever. And that even translates. So, but yeah, I kept see the one guy from Fargo season three, just to say one more thing about it and then hopefully never speak about it again. <laughs> never again. The bad guy, yeah, he did uh-huh. deserve to be nominated. I thought he was such a good actor. Uh, but even seeing him pop up, I was just like, fuck, I hated that show. Yeah. And I love the first two seasons, just right. for the record. Anyway. Moving on. Over in Heron Hall, uh, they're, they're, the aftermath of the like assassina- assassination attempt of Tywin is, is going on here. Where we saw last episode that Amory Lorch drops dead in Tywin's doorway as a result of Arya saying his name to Jokinagar. And the comically tall old mountain. Is he on stilts? Is this like a Brienne of Tarth situation where they're making him look taller than he actually is? Or is that a seven foot three guy? Because he has to duck to get in the door. Could be either. He's, yeah. He looks ridiculous, and no offense to that guy. I mean, really yeah. tall people, you look funny. Yeah. Like, if you're that tall, you look... He looks like Yao Ming. It's interesting that... that uh, this old mountain is interesting. Because you, I can't he's, picture him he's kind being of, mountain right. now. You can't picture that yeah. guy doing the things that mountain now does. Right, right. And I don't think he would have been able to pull it off, really. He doesn't yeah. seem like he's that good of an actor. Well, it's probably why they... Recast, cast him. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so, okay, Tywin's just murdering his own men at this point. Dude, all right, this, so when that's it, what's going on? When it zooms in on Harrenhal, when we come into Harrenhal, we see a guy hanging. A and Lannister it's a soldier Lannister soldier. soldier. Yes. And then the mountain tells Tywin they've hung 20 men over the night. And my question here was, is it all Lannister men they're hanging? Yeah, yes. So they're just, somebody's <laughs> got to know something, let's just start hanging, guys. Yeah. That's a terrible strategy. Seems like a terrible strategy. Harrenhal as a whole is I think the shittiest place we ever see for for the group of people who are occupying it. Like, yeah. the, the Lannisters should be all good here, but their guys are still getting hung. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and th- I guess they're just trying to get information about who killed Amory Lorch or what happened or whatever. And I was trying to, like, 
I was asking myself, do they realize this was an assassination attempt on Tywin? And they clearly do. Like, Tywin wouldn't be doing all this if he just thought it was somebody killing Amory Lorch, right? Like, he's... Well, they th- they think it was an assassination attempt on Tywin. Okay, that that was the thing I was asking myself. But it wasn't. No, but it's framed up like that. Like, that's basically what Jock and Agar was hoping they'd think going into shooting that dude with... An, an, I, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of got weird for me. Like, hmm. why they would just start hanging people as a result of this guy's death. But you're right. It, it's because he thinks his life was at risk. Yeah, right. Uh, so we get another great scene with Arya and Tywin where Arya has like a little little shitty steak knife because he's letting her eat some food. And These mo- are some of my favorite scenes, I think. They're they're very, with, very, very good. With them too. They're mm-hmm. so great. And apparently these this whole thing, this whole storyline upset book readers because a lot of it has changed and oh. or didn't happen altogether. Okay. But you have to think, look, even as a book reader, you have you surely you enjoy Arya Tywin. Yeah, you gotta appreciate the the back and forth between these two. They're it so just good. It makes me feel like if everything had gone differently, like they could have been friends. Be- besties. Yeah, kind in of in a different world. Yeah, you know, like they could have been like she could have been his real I mean, Apprentice she, in some way or something. Tywin even says in this scene, like, you remind me of my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny knowing Cersei and everything that she does later on and already has done that Arya would remind him of her. But uh, Arya considers or seems to consider possibly trying to kill Tywin herself in this scene when she's got that knife. Uh, we get some good information on the backstory of Hall, where Tywin tells her how Heron the Black I didn't realize the guy's name was actually Heron, mm-hmm. and that's why they named it Heron Hall. Not a very creative guy. That's like a college. Like, oh, that's down in Heron Hall. Right, yeah. yeah. You have Chem 101 there? Cool. Exactly. He thought, Dar- or I'm sorry, Heron thought that Heron Hall would be his legacy, the greatest fortress ever built, the tallest towers, the strongest walls, and uh, then dragons happened. And Heron Hall was built to withstand an attack from the land. A million men could have marched on those walls, and a million men would have been repelled. But Aegon Targaryen changed the rules when he bought dra- brought dragons into play. And as Tywin points out, that's why every child still knows his name 300 years after his death. And Arya says Aegon and his sisters. It wasn't just Aegon riding his dragons. It was Rhaenys and Vicinia too. Just some history there for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Um, Tywin also corrects Arya in a... Uh, he, he, Basically, he's calling her out saying, like, look, the ruse is up. I know you're not yeah. lowborn. You're supposed to say, my lord, not my lord. Not you're supposed to. I think L- low, it's more yeah, like lowborns. That's accent. how lowborns talk. Right. Is they say, my right, lord right. and my lady, instead yeah. of my lord. My Sorry lady. for not being more clear. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, he says, if you're going to pose as a commoner, you should do it properly. Then, a little bit later on, she purposefully mixes up the use of proper and properly to try to like fur- like throw him back off the well, scent. Right there. It's like her response is like, yeah. my mom worked for some guy, Lady, Lady or Dustin Lady. or something yeah. like that. And she's like, so she taught me how to speak proper. Properly. Properly. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Okay. So she throws that proper in right yeah. there as like a... No, to, look. See, I still suck. To throw it's him fine. off the scent again. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yes. So... so what I have, yeah, what I'm wondering is, so Tywin knows that he's got a good feeling that she's not lowborn, that she's posing right. as a commoner. Right. And that she is highborn. Right. 
but he doesn't know he he can't he hasn't figured out who she might be. No, so this is not. like Taylor when we were watching it was like, why doesn't he ask more questions? Why isn't he more interested in the fact that this chick is posing as a lowborn as a lo- like yeah, yeah. when he knows that one of the start girls is potentially missing or or actually he knows full out that she is missing. And I think the answer to that is there's no way he could have considered that to be a the, realistic possibility. Yeah. With the amount of lowborn and highborn and families that aren't even right. that important and families with okay. displaced daughters and whatnot, yeah. he wouldn't be thinking like his a red flag wouldn't immediately go up like, hold on now, this could be the missing start girl. Yeah. Right. And and that's what I think too. And I think he just assumes she's some highborn but not the highborn and is like, whatever, I like her. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess, and he likes her. That's yeah. the other part that makes it a little weird. It's almost like I get the sense that he wouldn't be interested in finding out who she really is yeah. or what the story is because he enjoys her. I, I, I also, I also agree with that. I think he kind of is like, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do this because you're game cool. Because yeah. I, I like you and respect you and. and That's all what of that. I think too. Um, but I get I, another thing to like, kind of like you said about just there being a lot of lowborn and highborn. I guess people like, just to take the North for example, Boltons, Carstarks, Glovers, like. That's they're all that's all considered highborn, right? right? There okay. are a ton of families in every sector. Even if you're that like are a, even if you're a smaller family, sure. not like one of the big families, you're still all highborn. The, all the bannermen, those families are all, all highborn. highborn. Okay. So well, the Lannisters have a ton of different families loyal to them that are highborn. Yeah. It's, there's okay. a ton of even people uh, that could be, you know, Rob yeah, yeah, Stark's yeah, yeah. new wife is highborn, and he doesn't even know who she is. Right. You well, know, and consider the fact that there's highborn people such as Samuel Tarley at the wall. Like, there's highborn everywhere. Okay. okay. And that makes it a little bit less like, yeah, wait yeah, a yeah. minute, why wouldn't Tywin be looking into this? It's clearly a, st- like, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Bouncing over to King's Landing, where, as we know, the whorehouses are stocked full of Lisa mattresses. And today is a good day because if you get on lisa.com slash dragon, L E E S A dot com, I think Micah just fell out of his chair. Lisa.com slash dragon. Dragon. In the next 13 hours as of this recording, there's a special New Year's offer on here where you get a free pillow. You get $100 off your Lisa mattress plus a free pillow, a Lisa pillow, which I have, as we've spoken to before, they are very, very comfortable. New Year, new pillow. New Year, new pillow. Those pillows are of $75 value. You can use that as your Instagram caption, New Year, new pillow. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. go to lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A.com slash dragon right now. Lisa is a fantastic mattress company driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. They donate mattresses to a shelter. For every 10 they sell, they donate one. They they plant a tree for every mattress sold. They donate 1% of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. So these are good people. Socially conscious people. These are American-made mattresses that ship straight to your door, compressed in a box. You can try one for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping always. Uh, They've got an incredible product offering that they've expanded. As we mentioned, the Lisa Pillow. They've got a blanket, sheets, foundation, frame. All that you can get on lisa.com slash dragon. Dragon. And if you use that promo code dragon, also get you $200 off a Sapira mattress which is their combo of memory foam and spring technology, and it happens to be the one that all three of us here at OCC have as well. The people at Lisa were like, memory foam's good, pocket springs are good, what if we put them both together and make a Sapira mattress? It's mattress magic is what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, in the Superior, the major difference is the base layer of the mattress is comprised of reimagined pocket coils and uh, that it, the, the Lisa just has the whole high-density foam base layer. Yeah. Right. Now, the, now, the pocket coils are not imaginary. They've just been re- reimagined. Yeah. Whereas dragons are imaginary. Some, in, some have said. Some have said in dragons. The, in reality. Mm, mm-hmm. As far as we know. I don't know. In modern reality. Might be like dinosaurs. Could be in Africa. Yeah, <laughs> which are in Africa, yes. Uh-huh. Dragon. Lisa.com slash dragon. Check it out right now. They support us. Go support them and support yourself with a great night's sleep. We're going to take a break and then we'll be right back to continue running through this episode. Do you like sports? Yeah, you do. Subscribe to Backdoor Cover on iTunes. We're a sports podcast where every week we talk about the latest in the sports world, including a lot of gambling, a lot of lines. If you're going to be betting on the rest of the NFL playoffs, the NBA, the NHL season. Come March Madness back- is coming yeah, up. Yeah, it is. Backdoor cover on iTunes. Give us a chance. Please. Please help us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are back. Hopping over to King's Landing, where Sansa has a little encounter with the Hound and tries to thank him for saving her from the uh, rape attempt during the peasant uprising that took place. And for for whatever reason, the hounds... This is basically just a little hound character development that goes on here where he takes this as an opportunity to prove to her, and I think mostly to himself, that he's such a bad guy and he loves killing so much. Like, he's still clinging to this, like, whatever it is idea that he's built up of the hound, what it is, what he is supposed to be. He says, killing's the sweetest thing there is. And knowing what we know about the Hound, and, and even not knowing, even if you're watching this episode for the first time, you get the sense that there's like some good to this guy. And you've seen it in bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. You've also seen some very bad things, but it just builds the, compli- the complicated nature of him as a man. Um, and then a little later in the episode, Sansa is having a dream, like reliving that rape attempt, but it ends with her being stabbed which obviously did not happen in real life, and she wakes up and has had her first period. The reason that's a big deal is because it means she can now bear kids for Joffrey. Menarche, that's what they call it. Is it? Oh, yeah. Your first menses. Oh, thank you for that lovely vocabulary (laughs) word that I will never use again. And uh, I guess if I have a daughter, I might say it one day. I don't think you will. You probably won't. I probably won't say it. Just a science fact. Science. And... uh, Everybody is terrified of this. Like, Sansa wakes up and is horrified. Shay is horrified. And it's like, for Sansa, it's the combination of, that's a scary experience anyway. As, as, a, as a woman, uh. as a man, I cannot speak to this. <laughs> I don't think it's scary. It is scary for some girls. You well, always, well, at least know. movies and TV you portray what if it. About it. What if it happened and you woke up in a strange foreign land, surrounded by your enemies with no mom or sisters to help you out with it? No, I mean it's not great. I'm never. I'm not like excited for my period, but I. I don't think I was scared. Okay, okay, it's not about you. But I'm saying like she knows about it. She knows what a period is. It's not. Sc- the rest of it is scary, but okay. just be- just being her. I'm just saying it's an experience, regardless. And yeah. now she has more than enough extra reason to be terrified of this because now she knows. Oh my God, they're going to try to get me pregnant with this psycho king. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with the with the extra reason, but just not the first yeah. reason. Fair enough. I'm one for two. And <laughs> another handmaiden wanders in and sees the blood as she, Sansa's like 
trying to cut out the circle from <laughs> yeah. her sheet and then like realizes it's bled through to the mattress and continues trying to cut that out as well. And then Shay is like, just flip it over. And they're going to like, flip. it's like, why the hell didn't they close the door when this shit is going on? <laughs> no, is what I don't understand. Nothing about this was well executed on their no, part. No, 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 it was not. Uh, but this other handmaiden, I could be wrong. And if I am, you know, that's why we have the clam fam corrections. But I think it's that handmaiden that's there throughout all the seasons that we see again in season seven and has like Cersei-esque hair and features. Like she's the one who somehow has hung around this whole time and huh. starts to dress like Cersei and have okay. hair like her. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, so she makes a run for it to go inform her grace, the queen, and Shay chases after her and puts a knife to her throat, says like, you better not say anything. And I, I think there must be consequences to this action later on. Maybe this is the handmaiden who informs on Shay or something. Because as we know, right here, it didn't matter. They get back and the hound has found out. Yes. Yeah, I think I think this probably just exposes Shay. As as being off, at least, at the very least. Yeah, to this. and more of a friend to Sansa, maybe, than a servant. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you think that her handmaid would kind of... Sure. Become that, like regardless of who she was. Probably, I would maybe, assume that's. A, that's if, a, anybody, I, if anybody's going to, it feels like it would be her. I handmaid. would assume that's a regular occurrence with with handmaids and their, yeah, their like, masters. Yeah. That, what do you call a master who's a woman? Still a master? Whatever. Whoever they're serving. But Mistress, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that scene immediately doesn't matter. So I wonder if there's something we're forgetting that later on down the line makes that matter more. Um. So the next thing we see is Cersei giving Sansa a little period pep talk, basically, which she says something classic along the lines of, like, your mother should have prepared you for this better. Be- because obviously Sansa is trying to make it about the fact that she was scared by this event, not the fact that she's terrified of yeah. her mm. betrothed. Or at least trying to downplay that element. But Cersei outright acknowledges it. She says straight up that, like, Joffrey has always been very difficult, that she had to labor a day and a half to bring him into the world, drops a gem that the more people you love, the weaker you are. And one thing I noticed throughout this episode is that there's a lot of Cersei kind of commentary on the evilness of Joffrey. Yeah, Mm -hmm. more than, is this the only time we've gotten this so far? I can't remember if she's I ever made a remark, like but it's one heavy. Time before yeah. she has meant she has acknowledged or alluded to the fact that he could be a problem. Joffrey is just kind of a psycho. Yeah, yeah. Well, because is it not this episode where she has the conversation with Tyrion and he's like, "You did really well. Like you beat the odds. You have yeah, two other is, children. Yeah, yeah. You're great." Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that's the other scene in this episode where she outright. Right, acknowledges right. the issues with him. Right. But I think she's even mentioned it before okay. in a previous yeah. episode. I think there's been some type of line about that. But yeah. not this heavy-handed, I don't think. Maybe not. No, Maybe no. Not. this was definitely the... Yeah, I mean, we're like, wow, she knows. Yeah, she knows. Blatant. She done fucked up with him. That she's very concerned about him, yeah. Um, bouncing over to Karth, where Danny is upset that her dragons are gone. She's basically keeps saying how she doesn't trust anyone. She's lost trust in everyone. Zarazo and Doxos tries to be like, wait, but I invoked Sumai. Remember that when I let you in? She doesn't care. Uh, she tells him straight up, I don't care where you've been or how poor you were or where you came from. The fact that you came from nothing, like, please stop talking about that. You keep bringing it up. And uh, 
sends him away, basically. One thing that Taylor brought up when we were watching was that Danny didn't seem quite frantic or upset enough about the fact that she had lost the most important thing in her life, like the three dragons are gone. And I kind of agree, like it's, she's upset, but you would be flipping out. And I think the counter to that is she doesn't really have a play. She doesn't have anywhere to go. She can't leave. Like if, if the answer was, all right, why wouldn't you just bail? You're clearly in a dangerous place. This is not good. The red waste is all that lays outside of Karth. She right. does not have anywhere to go. She will die out there. Yeah, I don't think she really has any room to to panic more than she already is. And and that might just be it. I mean, and she, she's trying know, to hold it together a little bit. Yeah. The other thing is that she knows that also because that they because they are in Karth and not, you know, King's Landing, for example. Like, she knows that they're there. There's right. somewhere there. Somebody in Karth has them. Yeah, that's It's true. not like they've just been like whi- whisked off and now they could be... Very unlikely that somebody in Karth would have taken them and hit the, the road in, yeah. the red, in the red waste or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Although there must be some nearby access to the sea because that's true. there's yeah. spice kings and right. that's, yeah, copper that's kings. Fair. and that's So fair. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but she does seem to be under the impression that they would still be there and they need to be found. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sir Jorah returns from his mission to find Danny one ship that he was on <laughs> that apparently he did not succeed at. No, no. It's uh, a dumb mission. He's off on that mission. He hears she lost her dragons. He comes running back, and then he lets you know just how fast he got back by breathing like Tony freaking Soprano the entire <laughs> scene he's talking to her. He's like, he's out of breath. And uh, Danny vents to him, kind of goes off on him, and is really rude to him unnecessarily considering the fact that he's the only person she has at this point she's the only thing she has going for her in any way she has no soldiers she has no dragons she has no castle no kingdom no servant like one of her right hand women was just murdered she doesn't know yeah. where the other one went, Doria or whatever her freaking name is it's just Jora. I feel like that's her way of freaking out though like, you know, and you're, like, mean to your mom or something because yeah. you're upset about something else. And then later you're like, sorry, mom, I was just I was just upset. That's fair. It's like, she's I feel pissed. like it's kind of like She's got to take it out on yeah. somebody. He's but she does say that he's too familiar. Too familiar. I think that's, you know, doc sauce in her head, though. Like, oh, he's in love with you. What are his intentions? And I think she's just like, oh, Oh, yeah. absolutely. That's, what are that's, your intentions? That's why Zara Zoe and doc sauce was planting that in her heads to try to, to, to try to create some thing. tension yeah. between them two, mm-hmm, which worked, mm-hmm. obviously. And it's like, man, just like, let my mans off the hook already. God. Okay, all <laughs> in all, though, it does. It's for real. It's like, this guy is as loyal as they come, despite the mistake he made, and it was it is a an acceptable mistake, in my opinion. He was trying to get access back to his home, man. So and he, he And he also... Like saved the mistake. Yes, he absolutely. He was like, no, I don't. I don't want to do this. And he w- had his. He had his eyes peeled. Stops the assassination. Like a true gentleman. Attempt. Yes. No. I mean, you're riding a little harder than I am for him, but <laughs> but that's to be expected. <laughs> yeah. I I just don't. All, everything about him. He's as loyal as they come. He he did what he did for that pardon that he received, but he's still there and. He, you couldn't ask for a better servant than this guy. Like, take it easy on him is all I'm saying. Uh, one question. Why does he... He calls her Khaleesi over and over in this episode, and as we know, he always calls her Khaleesi, and we're one more episode away from getting the Khaleesi. 
that that is so great. But why does he maintain calling her that instead of you know queen or whatever? After the Dothraki, you're gone. Like he's not a Dothraki, and that's a Dothraki thing. Well, that's a real title that she's earned and had. But like she's not, she's, she's not she, really a Khaleesi anymore. Like she doesn't have a Kalisar. She doesn't. It's but just do, don't they call okay when Cersei's not the queen anymore? Do they still call her? I don't think queen? so. It's like, not like when that? you're president of the United States and you're called president forever. I think is it not? How do you know? Maybe it is like that. You don't know. To me, it's more with Khaleesi. Of, maybe to me, I think it's more of like a. Uh, it's kind of like I knew you when you were a Khaleesi. You know, it's kind of like it's almost like a. Okay. It's it's okay. kind of a constant reminder that I've been here. Like um, I yeah. met you when before you were even married to a call. Yeah. And I saw you become a Khaleesi, and now I'm still like here riding for you. And it's kind of stuck so, as like his pet name for her. Like, yes, it, it, it's. It's kind of a pet name, I think. Yeah. That's a sneaky little pet name to have then, (laughs) huh? I'm just going to keep using this title that basically is sweetheart. It's like princess. It's Mm -hmm. it's a sexy name. It's a sexy thing to call somebody. Khaleesi. Khaleesi. North of the Wall, Ygritte makes uh, one final attempt to sway Jon Snow. And at this point... She's like all out trying to get him to join the wildlings. She brings up how Mance, Mance Raider was a crow. She ends up trying to seduce him. She says, I could teach you how to do it. And John replies, I know how to do it. And that leads Jigret to drop the first ever You Know Nothing Jon Snow. And the crowd erupts. Uh, later on, she like finally, I, her escape attempt from him, she just jerks the rope real hard. That's it. That's all it took. <laughs> And then she takes off running, and a bunch of wildlings appear from like around this ridge, yeah, and yeah. John is very clearly going to be captured. Yes, not oh, not a good episode for John. John, he, he turned away free sex. You got got. He did. This was Egret was very funny though. All of these. Oh man, she just really like launching into him in those last. Oh, ones. but I didn't want it. But oh, I did. <laughs> she's so good, dude. Yeah, she's, she really was. Yeah. This uh. This episode actually had quite a few comedic moments. Yeah. It had a lot of funny lines. Yagret especially yeah, offers... Yeah. She she makes me... I feel bad for him when she's making fun of him. You sh- you're supposed to. I feel really bad for well, him. But you would feel bad for him. He is yeah. a virgin teenager... Who can't drive. Who, c- who can't drive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he doesn't even v- have his own car. He does He's a virgin who can't drive. A virgin who can't drive. Over in the start camp... Talisa, as we know, the chick Rob has a huge crush on. Uh, she wants like more medical supplies. She needs more stuff to treat wounded with because that's what she does. She cuts people's feet off and helps them survive. Mm-hmm. And Rob invites her to go raid a lord's pharmacy. So the crag. The crag. Great name for a place. Wasn't Which that like uh, f- the crag in, what's that, Nickelodeon yes, show? Yes, yeah, and George R. R. Martin actually got the name of the crag. <laughs> It was inspired by the Agro Crag That's from the, the, agro the, crag. the Nickelodeon the show. Of the it, no, no, Guts. Oh, Guts. Guts. You had to climb the uh, <laughs> the Agro Crag. Yeah, that's where he got it. Yeah, it's well, it, it's like he's often said that it's his favorite guilty pleasure show <laughs> is Guts from Nickelodeon. That is, yes. Uh, how cool was the crag when you were a kid? You're like, ah. That's yeah, I mean, the crag. 
bag. That's why you listen to OCC is for this kind of inside information about George R. R. Martin, where he got the inspiration, <laughs> the back history. Right. But then right. this is where Craig comes from. The the only thing that I would say was disappointing about the aggro crag on guts is that winning the aggro crag did not also win you the cash monies it didn't it didn't <laughs> we needed to combine guts and yo mama yeah. into one oh, show that would have been hosted good. by wilder Valderrama. By Wil- oh Wilder but i liked her that was british chick that hosted guts they can or, co-host oh okay because she'd be like yeah. and now they whatever on the crag i have that was a no terrible accent. british accent <laughs> that was just, just an american <laughs> voice slightly changed it was just my why, voice why yeah. are there not more like th- th- there should be a place that's like combination guts and american gladiators where you get to go do all that stuff you can for like fun like for birthday crags. parties yeah like shoot the tennis ball cannon, and like Wait, this is Legends our bi- of the Hidden Temple. That one, that do, one actually kind of scared Copyright me. trademark. We're opening a business, <laughs> and we're gonna call we'll it, it. We'll put an American Ninja Warrior course in there too. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we find out Sir Alton Lannister delivers Cersei's rejection of Rob's terms to Rob and the rest of his, you know, leadership, and we find out the Starks are taking too many prisoners because the implication here is that Rob Stark is such a good guy. Mm-hmm. That instead of killing or torturing or doing anything bad to any of these people he's capturing, he's just ca- taking them prisoner and giving them a little place to sleep or whatever. And uh, they have too many prisoners. They have nowhere to put Sir Alton Lannister, mm-hmm. which is a real problem. So Rob says, oh, we, we'll just have to house him with the Kingslayer for now. Put him in there with Jamie. What, what could possibly go wrong? It'll be fine. And we get this incredible scene. With Jamie and I think it's his cousin, right? Yeah, Sir Alton Lannister. Yeah. He's got the last they're name. Related, he's a Lannister. So must be. They're, just, they're related. I gotta say, I did. I could start feeling in that scene with Rob, like he's kind of starting to lose his generals a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like they're sick of him doing the right thing instead of the smart thing. Yeah, and they can, as we kind of learn later, like they know they can see what's going on with, the with him and the foreign chick. He's being too nice of a guy, like. The, he's kind of, you know how coaches can lose a locker room? Yes. He's kind of losing the locker room. A little bit. You yeah. are correct, sir. And so we get this inc- this c- intense scene with Jamie and Sir Alton. This lengthy discussion about how Sir Alton once squired for Jamie. Jamie didn't remember. Uh, Sir Alton calls it the best day of his life. And very clearly, Jamie is like a god to this guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is his hero, pretty much, that he's been put in a cell with. So you know he's psyched about this. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm sharing this cell with Jamie. Hell, this is better than having my own cell. This dude's a celebrity, basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he is. That's that's exactly what it is. And Jamie entertains this, like, five-minute conversation, this back and forth with him. They talk about Cinda Lannister, who is Sir Alton's mother. Jamie asks, like, if she's the fat one. And he's like, you'd know there's only one fat Lannister. So now we know that. There's only one fat Lannister. Uh... They're a fit group. They are a fit, a fit, good DNA. Mm. The Lannisters. Mm -hmm. You have to really eat a lot of mutton to get fat. They talk about how Jamie squired for Barris and Selmy. He tells him Jamie tells him that story to like parallel. He's connecting. Yes, yes. He's very much drawing him in. Uh, We are like brothers. Yes. And all of this just so that he can say like Sir Alton asks him, "Have you considered like you know trying to escape?" And Jamie's like, every day, man, every day. And he's like, well, I'll help you. Like, I'll do whatever I can. He's like, well, you can't do one thing. You'll have to die. <laughs> and Sir Alton's like, say what now? <laughs> and immediately, Jamie beats him ruthlessly to death. Yep, yep. Which, okay, this whole thing is 
I don't like to be this guy, but this is idiotic. The way this plan to escape works is Jamie pounds this dude's head, one of the guards hears it, turns and runs in, and in that time frame, Jamie has turned over Sir Alton so that it looks like he's Jamie, and balled up in the corner so that it looks like he might be Sir Alton, get, gets that opportunity to jump on this guard and then strangles him to death. Mm-hmm. All seems a little unnecessary. There wasn't yeah. another way to get that guard to come in. Like that, I, I just, I, yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. For now, sure. obviously, it accomplishes the goal of showing you just how far Jamie's willing to go to escape captivity mm-hmm. and just how bad of a guy he still is basically he's bad right now he's that's what he did to that guy sir alton is this pure evil there's no that way was evil it. and he just was so when didn't give for, a shit yeah yeah and it, it sucks for alton too because didn't even he, work well i mean he, he doesn't get to go home and tell his brother tanner about how oh, he tanner was Lannister. oh the, is that tanner's brother yeah like i always tell people about oh. how i got put in a cell with spm this was like his moment yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't. I mean, and Tanner would have thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. dude. Tanner if I know one thing about pants. Tanner, Tanner would have told all his bros. Yeah. 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 So it's just a, it's just a shame. It really is. Um, over at the farmhouse near Winterfell, Theon is still searching for Brandon Rickon. They've the trail that the the dogs have has led them to that farmhouse that we saw earlier in the episode where uh, the two kids live. And again, has a back and forth with Maester Lewin, who's trying to get him to like be reasonable. Then. His like right hand man, Theon's right hand man, this this dickhead Iron Islander, Dagmar. finds it was a Dagmar. There you go. Finds uh, some evidence, some walnut shells. That ap- I'm I didn't quite get what happened here. Like him finding these walnut shells convinces Theon. All right, they were here. These people are lying to me. I have to send Maester Lewin away and do fucked up shit. I I just didn't really connect the dots, but I get what you know. I mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. followed it, but I was like, wait, what? What I don't, what I don't know is, uh, okay. Do do we think that they that Theon and Dagmar think that they're about to find the kids? I yes, I believe so. They because think it's about to because find this whole Bran thing is supposed Rickon. to convince us that they do. Right. Right. Because this episode ends with us thinking, "Oh my God, he yeah. killed Bran and Rickon." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what it just was a little tough mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. for me. Jumping out of, over to Karth. We uh we get to see the lady wearing the Kanye mask again. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't I didn't think we ever saw her again. I'm glad we do. I'm glad we got to see her. We again. still never really find out who she is though, do we? No. No. Uh but she does tell Jora that or she asks, Will you betray her again? So she very clearly knows that he betrayed her before. Yeah, this is she's very well informed. How do we never come back to this? Very well informed. Uh she also says the thief you seek is with her now. So she knows that too. Uh, we just never find out really who what the deal is with this woman, but she serves as a very interesting and cool-looking device to uh, keep the plot moving, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we find out Danny Danny's with the Thirteen, begging to get her dragons back. And the Spice King says if her dragons die, it's for the best. They, they, they bring the world nothing but death and misery. And uh, Pyat Pri, the warlock who's addicted to Shade of the Evening or whatever it's called, and, and then he, he just outright comes out and says, oh, no, uh, I, st- I had your dragon stolen. Mm-hmm. A, a, a buddy did it for me, the king of Karth. And everybody's like, what? There is no king of Karth. And Zarazo and Doxos is like, there is now. 
and then Piat Pri transforms into ten more Piat Pri's yes. and kill they slaughter all the thirteen. The other eleven thirteen. Yeah. So that two are left, Piat yes. Pri and Zarazo and Doxos, the famous invoker of Sumai. Uh Piat Pri goes on to just be as creepy and weird as possible. He is one of the top five creepiest characters in the whole show. Yeah, he tells Danny her dragons are at the house of the undying and that she needs to visit them because they need their mother. And he keeps calling them her babies, which feels a her little babies. And he's creepy. the way he says everything. Yeah, is just that guy. Oh, well, I mean, in, but he's got he's pretty powerful too because you can't kill this man with like regular ways, right? Or I, you I can't mean, kill the replicated versions of him that he sends to do things. Okay, okay. Yeah. True. Yes. Which true, is really true. weird. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's able to project himself into other hymns and do things. And do things physically yeah. with those projections. Yeah. I mean, this, that's that's some pretty wild shit. He's a pretty good warlock uh, considering the fact that he's just shit-faced wasted on Shade of the Evening all the time. So let's talk about some Zaro stuff. First, in the earlier scene, he threatens to open his vault. Oh, yeah. He because does. you got to do stuff like that when your vault is empty. You got to be like, I'll show you it right now. I'll open the vault. I'll open it. Let's see. Let's see what. What do you think these dragons are going to get me that I don't already have in my vault? You I'll open it right you now. See this you want to see it? There's you all, these, see all this shits in there. He pulls one of those. Love that move. Um, he also says right there in that same scene that a man is what people say he is. So he even pretty alludes, revealing, pretty yeah. even, and this is uh, this is kind of a common theme, really, right? Isn't this is kind of what Varys says too, right? Right about With power. The, al- the yeah, it's like power resides where where people the think people, it resides. The people think, think it, it resides. Yeah. Um, so kind of a, a a recurring season two theme, I'd say, is that I mean, you are what people say and think you are. I would love a spinoff of Zarozo and Doxos, the story of his his meteoric rise. Yeah. Because how he convinced anybody that that vault was full is yeah. beyond me. Yes. I guess he just invoked Sumai over and over and, and over. I mean, until he, he talks about that when, when he, you know, when he's about to, to mark the, the, the other 11, um, that he kind of forced his way in, into this position. Right. Like he, as we've talked about in previous episodes, he likes to reference that he's, I come from nothing. That he comes from nothing and that he's self-made and, and, and all of that. And another good line that he has is that those on the margins often come to control the center. That was tight. Which is a really, really good and, I mean, relevant quote. So was, That was a very cool little speech he gave, for sure. Uh, it does make me wonder if any of that kind of thematic stuff will come back in the last season. True. Just because, just just because where we are now, currently in Game of Thrones, we are very much focusing on those that are the center the of the center. story, right. and those in the margins mean very little at this point. Those on the margins have essentially fallen off the face of the map. Yeah. in season seven, yeah. altogether. So, also large in large part, I would assume due to the fact that we don't have much time, right. they got to get the story done. It's true. Uh, okay, so I have a question though. What what is Zaro and Piat Pri's play here? They've got the dragons. They've got them in the House of the Undying. They've killed 11 of the other 13 so that they're the only two remaining. Zaro has crowned himself King of Karth. Uh, he plans on bringing Karth to the world and opening the gates and not having it be this shut-off community anymore. He wants to blow it up, basically, in a positive way, like a rapper would blow up, not like a bomb would blow up. 
And is the plan to get Danny to kind of be submissive to them? I know he wants her as his queen. And I I have to assume mostly because he wants her dragons. Yes. And these two seem to be of the belief that the dragons need Danny to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. So they need mm-hmm. to break her and or enslave her to a point to they so they can use these dragons. I don't think they're that I didn't get the vibe right. that he wanted to like ins- like enslave well, her. They're trying to get her submissive. to go to the house of the undying, which we know what happens there. They right. enslave her, basically. Yeah. Very temporarily, but she is chained up. So it's like that. That seems to me to be okay. It's all in all, it's a pretty good plan, considering like this is a. They get very close here if you consider what goes down, to being, of the most powerful unstoppable force on the map. Yeah, I mean, I do Zorro think that he wants Pi-Pri. right, but I do think he wants her eventually to rule with him. I think. He, his goal I, is to rule together. I think that was just his play. I mean, really? It, it, I think that was what he wanted. Yeah, but I think he's kind of seeing him. that that she's not going to go for that. Well, and even right. considering where we're at, like what everything we know now, I think even then it might have just been his play. I don't mm-hmm. think he necessarily really was like, I want this strong, smart woman to rule by my side. I think he was still trying to he was trying to appeal to her ego, yeah. and then get the dragons. But I mean, when you're running a Ponzi scheme. It, the bottom eventually falls out and you get caught. And so I think what I think Zaro is is kind of thinking like I actually need to get real things in the vault at this point yeah. before I get found out. Yeah, no, it good call. It's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. That's what he is <laughs> as a human. A human Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Back over in the start camp, Jamie is caught, so uh, Apparently that escape attempt did not go too well. He didn't seem to have gotten too far, and poor Sir Alton died for no damn reason whatsoever. Uh, it turns out the guard that he lured into the cell and then took out to escape was Lord Karstark's son, which is a real problem because Lord Karstark is quite angry and wants Jamie's head. He wants to. He literally wants to chop his head off to make him pay for that. Uh, Catelyn Stark has to stop Lord Karstark. And talk him out of it, and talk him into at least waiting until until uh, Rob returns, which he inevitably does agree to. But there's also more talk there of like, where is Rob? He he kind of gets thrown under the bus a little bit, like he's off gallivanting with this chick. Yeah, yeah he's off with his foreign whore. Foreign whore is what yeah that what mm. Carstark calls her. It's all all everything is shit is hitting the fan at the yes. start camp. Yeah. Uh, it, it's falling apart and later a little later in the evening Catelyn and Brienne are hanging out and they see a bunch of drunk guys starting to fight another comic bit by the way is when Jamie is lobbing all of those one-liners oh, at Cat uh, and then she, she says tie him up with every chain you can find and he like gets one last in and she's like and gag him yes <laughs> yeah oh uh, he's such a shit talker man yeah. I mean, well, so they they watch this fighting unfold, and they're like, this guy's not going to survive the night. And the whole thing is Catelyn believes she needs Jamie to be able to have any shot in hell of ever seeing Sansa and Arya again, who Arya is obviously not even in King's Landing, but she's of that belief. So they decide, okay, we're going to go over to his cell, and presumably her thought process is to let him go, as Littlefinger begged her to. Mm. They get in there, and Jamie just won't stop talking shit. 
more and more just the same kind of stuff he was saying earlier except he gets even worse he starts digging on Ned he starts he brings up Ned uh, poor, old, poor old dead Ned poor old dead Ned <laughs> banging another woman and having a son by her how, how she must have hated Jon Snow all of which we know now is obviously not even the case but erroneous. well, it was for her the erroneous case on both counts. Yes, that her, was her for her. It very much was truth. the case. Yes, that was her truth. She was living. Yeah. Uh, it and she finally appears to be broken by Jamie's shit. He's begging her to kill him, basically. Yeah. And she says, "Brienne, your sword." And Brienne draws the sword, and that's all we get to see. Back in Winterfell, to close the episode out, Theon unveils two murdered, mutilated, and burnt corpses of two little boys that look to be the exact same size difference as Rickon and Bran would be. Both of them have like an arm ripped off. There's like the dogs have clearly been set on them too. And he's using this as a show of power to the people of Winterfell. Like, look, I told you what I would do. If you didn't just obey me, I'll treat you well. If you don't, this is what happens. And uh, the episode comes to a close with us having no confirmation. But as show watchers the first time through... You think he killed Rick on a br- yeah. or you, yeah. yeah. You're not positive, but you know there's a chance. Yeah. No, I feel like we're pretty positive. Like I was surprised that it wasn't. Here's the reason I knew there was a very I'll say I thought it was a, there was a very good chance it was still alive because the conversation they have with Asha, she's like, "No, we are not going into the farmhouse." Right. So those walnuts that had nothing to do with them. They weren't. They never went in. They continued on their way for that for this very reason to try to avoid a situation like this. So we're supposed to be given the implication that maybe they're still there when whatever his name is. Yeah. For whatever reason, I also recall not really buying. I didn't. That, I didn't buy it. Really? Yeah. I think I did. I don't. I don't remember s- strongly either way what I thought. Well, but I, d- I, I think I believed it. I mean, they, they, they talk so, like, them talking about J&B is, like, a pretty... Yeah. It's a pretty clear... They're throwing that at you. I yeah. still don't that think at this point... those two orphan boys are, in the far- are hanging in the farmhouse. Yes. I think at this point, though, I still wasn't prepared to be kind of looking for the fake-outs. Okay. As, yeah. yeah. Good you point. know... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I will um, say that later when they f- it is finally revealed and we see the two again was one of the happier moments ever in the show for me. I right. was like, yes! Sweet. Uh, yeah. When Theon, at one point, he's yell- he's kind of like screaming at Lewin about you know, why he's doing what he's doing and all that. Yes. And he references, he says, basically, I'm being treated like a fool and a eunuch. And the, well, that's his fear, is that he'll be treated even more so like a fool and a eunuch yes. if he can't get these kids back. Yes. Which is crazy foreshadowing, yeah. Yes, it is, because he is both a fool and, and as it turns out, a eunuch becomes a eunuch at the hands of <laughs> Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, yeah. No, they, uh, his story arc is oh so sad. He just it really is sad. Like he was a p- piece of shit teenager, but like he gets it, it, he, gets, he it, gets it so much worse than he he deserved something. He gets it about as bad as you possibly yeah. can. Yeah, like, death would be better than all of the things that happened to he, him. He becomes just a shell of a human. Reek. So I got a, I got a question. So in the scene with Tywin and Arya, he's talking about legacy and he says that this is the war that he'll be remembered for. Like this is the legacy that he's going to pass down whatever happens here. Right. Win or lose. Does what happens next season is does that kind of end the War of the Five Kings? 
Yeah. It does, right? Yeah. Because Stannis is pretty much out at the end of this season, or well, he or is at least repelled pretty severely. Yes. His Stannis's momentum is shut the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah. By what happens at Blackwater Bay. Um, right. Renly's the dead. Boltons crush the Greyjoys. Yes. Uh, Renly's easily. dead. And and then yeah, and then season three. So he this is what he'll go down for is basically executing the season three. Uh, right, which theatrics. if you really put it into perspective, and especially with the things that have unfolded since, Tywin's legacy is not going to be good that he accomplished good things or was a great conqueror or a winner. It's going to be that he was a totally evil piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with a fucked up daughter and yep. terrible grandkids. Yes. And Grand the whole the whole Lannister legacy at this point in season 7 going into season 8 lies entirely on Cersei. Essentially, if she doesn't wipe out every other important person in the world that could possibly write the history books and do it herself, the Lannisters are <laughs> shit. Well, I guess Jamie. Jamie, Jamie has Jamie, Jamie has a definite chance at redeeming their name. I don't he, know about full redemption. Well, the only part that matters is the the outcome. It's not the means; it's the end. Yeah. So as long as mm. as long as they get to a positive place at the end, which is still very much a possibility, I'd be shocked if. And look, it, mod- modern day Jamie wouldn't have killed Tanner's brother. No, no way. Would he not, or has he just not been in a shitty situation lately? Well, no. Jamie post hand amputation becomes a completely different human being. I agree. I agree. Mm. Um, and then let's see. Okay, the scene with Sansa and Cersei. It's probably the n- this is this is one of the nicer times that we see between the two of oh, them yeah. that they share. She's yeah. giving yes. her real advice there. Yes, and it definitely and she understands calls, for her, her. calls to season seven absolutely where where Sansa is saying like I learned a lot from from her. Like she is pretty good at what she's doing. And I took a lot away from this from was my the first scene there. that made me think about that yeah. that that made me think about the exchange in season seven because it's not like Cersei's being very open with her and giving her what she believes to be actually good knowledge, even to say the more people you love, the more whatever the what, what did she say this uh, like love is a weakness the something something like that the more people you love, the weaker you are, yeah, yeah. um. I feel like rewatching this. I don't. I think Cersei was always a bitch, but I don't think she was always evil. Right. I think like losing her kids is what made her. No, evil. she's she's still at the point as a character where yes, she's all Lannister first and very much wants to maintain power and even at the cost of other people's uh, safety because her son is very clearly not giving other people safety, but. She has some level of goodness in her still. Yeah. Which you see in that conversation with Cersei. Yeah, I think like the shit that Cersei's pulling now, season seven, Mm. she wouldn't have pulled then. Mm. She's Mm. just like loses all of her humanity with the death of literally three children. The beauty of Cersei Lannister and Jaime Lannister's story arc is that they they grow in one womb, they're born together, they fall in love, they, they live this sort of affair together, they split... And they turn, they flip completely. Yeah. Where she's totally evil by the end and he is, Mostly I don't know, good. I don't see any bad on him anymore. 
mm-hmm, other than mm-hmm. that he had some loyalty to her still but right, that's right. gone now so that's the they kind of just go completely apart from each other and we'll see how that unfolds in season eight but it's the genius of this show you know last yeah. note i had um the the end of this episode we get like a like a fade weird. on Theon's face yeah and that's how the episode ends yeah and I I cannot pick out another episode I don't think that where, they, where they where they fade to black like that it was almost like a dramatic going to another scene would be and right. then nothing else happens and the credits start rolling and you're like yeah oh, well okay yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It definitely stood out to me as well, where I was like, that was a weird like, way to it's go. It's usually to just more like a cut. Right. Yeah. Po- yeah. So, yeah. Interesting choice there in the yeah. editing room. All in all, another great one. Yep. David Nutter, good at what he does. We'll be back next Monday to talk about the eighth episode of season two, The Prince of Winterfell, written by Benioff and Weiss and directed by Alan Taylor, another vet. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. Like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin. Follow me everywhere, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, at WR Bolin. Veronica, where can you be followed? At Veronica Ruck, R-U-C-K-H, Twitter and Instagram, VM Ruck on Snapchat. What about you, Barrett? Hit me on them social mediums, at Barrett Dudley. B-A-R-R-E-T-T-D-U-D-L-E-Y. There you have it. We also have a hotline, 866-43-CLAMS. Call in with your Clam Fam corrections. The hotline slowed down a little bit over the holiday season. It's all back up and running. I promise to listen to every call and be completely caught up before next week's episode. Check out grandexshop.com slash OCC for shirts to support the podcast. Also check out manoutfitters.com and use the code DRAGON. Also go to lisa.com slash DRAGON. Dragon. To get those great deals on Lisa products, including their mattress, the Lisa mattress, the Sapira, if you're looking for an even better night's sleep, in my opinion. Uh, the, the pillow, the blankets, they've got all kinds of good stuff. Lisa.com slash dragon. Uh, and then be on the lookout very soon for effing around on Grand X Labs. That is true. Very soon. And we're recording another episode of the Ross Bolin podcast on Tuesday, tomorrow. That's January 8th, 9th. So that'll be coming out too. And uh, we'll call, be on. What's up? People should call the Ross Bolin hotline 888 WR Bolin. But, ja, we'll be back next Monday. The Prince of Winterfell. See you then. Mm-hmm.